of all the weeks to say that when Brianna's mother is in this chamber, shame, parading as a man of integrity when he's got absolutely no responsibility. Hello and welcome to The Crawl, where we scroll through social media so you don't have to. I'm Marina Perkis. And I'm Gemma Forte. And just before we really jump into today's trawl, let's take the temperature on Rishi Sunak's popularity by going to this clip of BBC Question Time posted by Best for Britain. I think uh, the truth is that Rishi Sunak has been doing an incredibly good job in very, very difficult circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going well then. That yeah. was like canned laughter from like a US sitcom. It was really strong, yeah. good laughter. That it was. Do you know his popularity mm. ratings are now like lower? His personal popularity ratings—they're lower than than I think Liz Truss's straight after the crash. I mean, they're they're on the floor. I mean, I'm not surprised, but mm. you know. and I think he's working hard to drive them further into the ground as well. Mm. He's mm. he's just. He, I don't know if he's going to last till the election. It's, I feel like his, his mishaps are daily now. But look, yeah, yeah, staring yeah. off Sunak, because we've got lots to cover, and we're starting light, which I quite like. I've got a joke for you, Gemma. Oh, go on then. So, water company bosses, the chair of Ofwat, and the government's environment agency walk into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> over a private members club dinner, they discuss how to quell public anger over bill rises and sewage spills. And it isn't a joke. That is reality. So I know you've been on your holly bobs, Gemma, mm. but The Guardian published this and Fergal Sharkey, who is like our water advocate, mm. he was outraged by it. But basically we learnt that water bosses, so off what, who are, are supposed to be our watchdogs, um, and the water bosses had dinner at a private London club to discuss the future which I think is what you refer to as regulatory capture. Yeah, it's unbelievable. When you think about it, right, these watchdogs were brought in as part of privatisation, okay, with the aim being that they would protect us. So they're supposed to be there to protect the consumers. And yet, would you look at that? Now they're all cosy, 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 and it's the government and these businesses who are extorting us that they're protecting. What a joy. What a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Those those three sort of that trinity of people have got no business going out for a fancy private dinner together. No. Like, I would love, I would love to know what was discussed. That is corruption, corruption, corruption right there. Yeah. And um, on that note, you know, our water bills are going up, by the way. Yes. Yes. Everything is. It's wonderful. Everything is. Everything's going up. I honestly don't understand how people are just supposed to pay for all this stuff. So, um, going up by 6% and it's to pay for all that wonderful customer service, you know, all that lovely sewage, all those reservoirs that they failed to build. Yep. It's, um, it's great. Mm. In fact, you know what? Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, he posted something yesterday which I found troubling. Um, he posted that 5 million people now in the UK have outgoings, like basic outgoings yeah. that always outstrip their income. So they oh are gosh. just every month plunged for, and this is not like reckless or anything like reckless no. spending. This is the yeah. bare, 
like minimum the essentials that bottom bit of the has maslow hierarchy of needs That's yeah that. so there's no slush fund there's no fun money there's no beer no. money there's no yeah it's, it's really awful and i nearly scored a complete own goal the other day because i saw on my um my bank statement i was like huh i was like my council tax that can't be right phone them up <laughs> doing a little bit of like personal admin I was like, hello there. Hi, um, I think you've got it wrong. I have got um, a, a discount. I have a discount because I have um, single occupancy, as in I am the only adult in the house, right? Mm. And they went, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I dispute that. Sometimes you're barely an adult. <laughs> True. Fair. Um, and then they were like actually who is in the house and then I was like well it's me and then I was like my daughter how was your daughter 19 and then I was like before you say anything she doesn't give me a penny which she doesn't she (laughs) she doesn't she's just finished her A-levels she's been on a flipping round the world with a rucksack she lives half the time anyway the point is it was all fine she was like all right calm down no it's fine she said you've still got your discount on there but the discount was just like everything's going up Ah, so much money, mm. isn't it? Mm. To get my bins taken. Yeah, away. it's insane. <sighs> oh, well. um, do you know I reckon could afford all these increases though? That six percent water and everything else going up. Who? I reckon Rishi Sunak and Piers Morgan have got a bit that they could play with. Do you know what? I reckon he is not going through his bank statement, old Sunak, and then putting in a call and sitting on call waiting to the council. He just isn't. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Oh, my gosh. This brings us to one of the grimmest things I've ever seen, the most tacky, Mm. tacky, tacky moments ever. Rishi Sunak, and I'm sure you know this already, accepted a £1,000 bet from Piers Morgan that deportation flights to Rwanda will be up and running before the general election. And in case you missed it, here is that rather foul moment. I'll bet you £1,000 to a refugee charity. You don't get anybody on those planes before the election. Will you take that bet? Well, I, well, I want to get the people on the planes, oh, right? Of course I want to get the people on the planes. £1,000. Right? right, I want to get the people on the plane. Mm. Um, context is important. Mm. Um, and it's important to note that that was done, that handshake, that £1,000 bet against a backdrop of it being the same day that Sunak ended cost of living support, which was worth £900. It's so grim. And I love the way Piers Morgan thinks it's OK. It sort of negates anything by saying, oh, the money would go to a refugee charity. Like, in a way, that's even more disgusting. The fact that, mm. you know, refugees, of course, need charitable contributions. And those are the very, very people you want to stick on a plane, completely dehumanise and, and make a flipping bet over. Anyway, it went down badly. It went down like a cup of cold sick. Sangeeta Maisga tweeted, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, has taken a £1,000 bet from Piers Morgan that asylum seekers, including women and children, will be deported to Rwanda, a country deemed unsafe by the Supreme Court. New, low, sunk. True. Yeah, and I think what made it extra grim is, is that we know how wealthy they both are. They're these two very privileged, very wealthy men. And what's a grand? What's a grand to Rishi Sunak who's worth, what, almost 700 million quid married to a billionaire? Like that's. I was trying to think what's the value equivalent. I was thinking it's like like a toothpick, maybe? 2p. An earbud. 2p. 2p, maybe? I don't know. Something like that. But it's absolutely vulgar. And Henry Morris tweeted, it's another comms masterclass from Rishi Sunak Further dehumanised refugees, 
Check. Insult struggling UK citizens? Check. Advertise absurd wealth? Check. Get completely played by Piers Morgan? Check. Mm. And writer Ian Dunt, he was, um, well, he was quite triggered by it, as we all were. And he wrote, those are people, God damn you. When we actually process the claims, the majority are granted asylum. That means they are fleeing torture, war and oppression. They're not something for two rich men to do a bet about like it was a harmless effing game. Yeah, and then uh, the cover-up made everything even worse because he went to do the media rounds. And basically every media round he does at the minute is just people asking him about the latest horrible, stupid thing that he's done or said. Um, So he was inevitably asked about this bet, uh, to which his defence was that he was caught by surprise and he's not a betting man. (sighs) Except wait a second, because who's this last year? Speaking to BBC Radio. I also, which was quite dangerous, uh, discovered this. I think it was around that time that the spread betting had become a thing online. Yep. It, I had certainly never done it before. Um, but then so I was sitting there working on one side doing my you know, investing finance job and on the other screen, it's quite helpful in those jobs, you have multiple screens. On the other screen, I was doing you know, next wicket partnership, next <laughs> wicket four, innings total. I just discovered this thing and it was great. So um, I had the summer doing that as well. Yeah. So. Mm. That's interesting. So the so the man that doesn't bet was essentially dual screen betting there because mm. he was working on one screen and mm. we know what his work was and then he's betting on the other screen and yet apparently not a betting man. And just in case this needs pointing out in reference to his job, this was reported by the Times in 2020. Rishi Sunak became a multi-millionaire in his 20s when he was part of a hedge fund which made nearly £100 million after an audacious stock market bet bet that lit the touch paper on the 2008 financial crisis. Great. Not a betting man. Mm. Mm. And Henry Morris wrote, It was while doing my jobs as a professional gambler of stocks and shares that I discovered I enjoyed gambling on sport too, although I'm not a betting man. Oh. It's just <laughs> dreadful, isn't it? He really is awful. I mean, it, it, uh, absolutely worse than awful. And he's got no EQ. He really hasn't. He's just so unaware. Mm. And I just, as you say, how many more mistakes is he going to make until something sort of has to be done? You can't have this man running the country, the prime minister who's just got no clue about what's appropriate. I mean, imagine if he'd said to Piers Morgan, right, look, I'm not, the reason I'm not going to take a bet on this and the reason I'm not going to shake your hand is because I am not going to reduce, you know, government work, policy. Obviously, this is quite a controversial policy. Many people support it and many people don't, but it does at the heart of it involve human beings and their life. So it's not something that is appropriate to make a bet about. I might even be able to find a tiny half percent minuscule bit of respect for the man, but no. Mm. Anyway, I love this Mm. version of events. which were created by comedian Will Seabag Montefiore. This is his version of how the bet went. Are you a betting man? No. Isn't a hedge fund basically gambling? I mean, yes. What do you think is like a normal amount for a bet between friends? About 35k. I bet that you could pay doctors more. I'm not interested in that. I bet you a grand that you're so out of touch you get basic idioms wrong. Done. Is it hard (laughs) being Prime Minister? Well, you obviously have to have thick 
tough, you know, tough skin to do this. Think you owe me a grand? I know what people want. And what we want is you to tell us about music. Who's your favourite modern band? Desperate Straits. Favourite UK-based band? You too. Zero for two. Can you sing <laughs> The Room Where It Happened from Hamilton? Building with all the things that happened in all the rooms. Any Kate Bush? I spent a lot of time on the hill. Do you have a message for people who are living in poverty? <laughs> You really tongued the glass there, didn't you? Have you got any advice for normal people on what they should be doing during the cost of living crisis? Shouldering the entire burden themselves. Do you think people like you? I think people trust that I know what I'm doing when it comes to the economy. Well, I think that they trust that you know what you're doing with your own personal economy. <laughs> <laughs> you have so much money. Do you think that normal people are actually human beings? Yes. So the Rwanda plan's not working. Whose fault do you think that is? Keir Starmer and the Labour Party. Goodness me. Do you know what's also interesting as well? Given his defence, mm. which was um, it, he was he was taken by surprise. <laughs> like, I don't think that's the defence you think it is, buddy. Because he's basically saying that he makes appalling decisions under yeah. pressure. Do you know what it said to me? And I did tweet about this. It just looked to me like he's the sort of person who can be really easily led and like really easily nudged into doing something pretty appalling because he wants to be cool or he wants to score yeah. points with the bigger boys. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that Muppet on Stag Do's that mm. easily gets persuaded into doing something silly or like that the um, football fan that put the flare up his bum. Yes. That's like... Yeah, I mean, I don't, you, you're, you're so, so right. I'm getting finally to sort of vaguely understand this person. And I think as if he was making very quick decisions based on, on like hedge funding, which is essentially betting, I'm sure in that mm. moment he's got this sort of instinct about what's going to make the most money. But because he doesn't have any social awareness and he doesn't have any sort of no. reference points about what certain things feel like. As you say, he's trying to be sort of man of the people. And so it's so, so easy to drag him the wrong way because he doesn't have any mm. personal integrity about anything. Precisely. And it is quite technically the wrong way. So what he did with the bet was it's a breach of ministerial code. And mm. a really interesting point of order was made in Parliament by um, Lib Dem MP Alistair Carmichael, because he asked the question about whether Sunak's bet, the £1,000 bet, would have to be published in the Register of Interests. Because if you think about it, technically, this means the PM has got a financial stake in pushing that Rwanda <gasps> scheme and getting oh. that plane to Rwanda. You see? Oh. You see? And the... The other thing that he was pushed into saying, which mm. I think is, is 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 up there, it's equally bad in my mind, is he also potentially defamed Keir Starmer because there was that moment where Piers Morgan said to him, do you think he's a terrorist sympathiser, referring to Keir Starmer? And Sunak replies, the facts speak for themselves. There he was, he was their lawyer, which conveniently ignores the cab rank rule which is where people who are defending they, they don't cho choose who they defend mm. it's just a sort of like a first come first served like mm. a cab cab rank rule and the secret barrister on x wrote i have represented killers rapists and child sex offenders because the rule of law requires that everyone whatever they have done be treated lawfully if a politician went on tv and claimed i support it the act of my clients, I would sue the platform shoes off them. That is so interesting. I mean, this is it. Mm. He's the prime minister. Do better. 
flipping heck. And he went from that in the, what was it, a couple of days between these huge gaffes into a new massive low at PMQs. Quite unbelievable. So the mother of murdered teenager Brianna Jai was visiting Parliament and she was there apparently to listen to a hearing, I think, about mindfulness in schools, something that she believes in. Let's listen, first of all, to how Starmer started off PMQs um, and what he had to say in this clip. Mr Speaker, this week the unwavering bravery of Brianna Jai's mother, Esther, has touched us all. As a father, I can't even imagine the pain that she's going through. And I'm glad that she's with us in the gallery here today. Right, so that's Starmer. And Best of Britain wrote um, how Starmer started off by praising Brianna Jay's mother for her grace and bravery. 90 seconds later, Sunak is cracking jokes about trans issues. His front bench and MPs laugh with delight, appalling even by their very low standards. I mean... Unreal. And Femi Sorry tweeted, Rishi Sunak just made a joke about trans women while the mother of Brianna J, a trans girl who was murdered, was in parliament with them. This is what happens when Tory culture wars meet reality. But it's a bit rich, Mr Speaker, to hear about promises from someone who's broken every single promise he was elected on. I think I counted almost 30 in the last year. Pensions, planning, peerages, public sector pay, tuition fees, childcare, second referendums, defining a woman. Although, although in fairness, that was only 99% of a U-turn. Of all, of all the work, of all the weeks to say that, when Brianna's mother is in this chamber, shame parading as a man of integrity when he's got absolutely no responsibility. Absolutely. I think the role of the Prime Minister is to ensure that every single citizen in this country feels safe and respected. It's a shame the Prime Minister doesn't share that. Yeah, it's mm. gross. And you know, Victoria Atkins, the Health Secretary, was... Yeah proper pissing herself last year, but next to him she found it hilarious yeah i was listening to lbc this morning nick ferrari was talking about it and <laughs> he was so close to getting it Gemma. he was so close because mm. he was defending sunak obvs and nick ferrari's line of defense was well there wasn't any malice it was politically based and he wasn't aware of the impact it would have and i was just like can you not see? That oh. is it. That is that is it in a nutshell. That is culture wars in a nutshell. Because behind every culture war, there is going to be someone that that loses out. And it's people like Nick Ferrari that helped stoke it. It was so close, so close to getting it. But no, didn't, didn't quite. But also, culture wars shouldn't have any part in decent politics anyway. You know, they just shouldn't. People shouldn't who lead be dividing to conquer, should be bringing people together. And I'm in a way mm. glad this happened, despite the terrible hurt that it would have caused Brianna's parents and I'm sure many trans people as well. But I'm glad it's happened because it's really exposed the reality of this 
disgusting way that they speak and think that Mm. it's all right. And then suddenly it's like, oh, it wasn't all right. What, just because Brianna's mother was there? It isn't all right ever. And so suddenly it's like, it's been exposed. It's like, oh, uh, mm, well, I didn't mean it with her there. And it's like, this is what you do on a daily freaking basis. And if she hadn't been there, Mm. no doubt it would have just been another day in PMQs. Now maybe they see some of the hurt caused and they're having to face it and it's embarrassing. And I have to say... I have to say, I thought Starmer sounded authentically angry and I thought it was a good moment Mm. for him because he spends a lot of time pussyfooting around and worrying about what people think for various reasons. But on this, I think he really just thought, you prick, and that came across and that was good. Yeah, do you know, you know I'm not a massive Starmer fan, but I did think that. It it was more his body language, actually. Mm. It was almost like he cringed, like when when he was like, oh, God, in disbelief, like, I yeah. can't believe you've just said that can't today of all days. Yeah. But Sunak, what I can't get over is his political instincts are so shit. Mm. It's like, and this isn't like the bet because the bet, his, his defence was that he was caught off guard. This is different. This was his joke that was pre-written mm. and he was determined to use it. And Brianna's mum being there, it just didn't even register with him and you sort of touched upon this earlier and I was thinking about this and like why does he keep screwing up like this why does he always get it so wrong and I think it comes down to incredibly low emotional intelligence mm. because mm. when you meet someone and you've they've got really low emotional intelligence they've got this complete lack of self-awareness they don't know how to read a room they don't know how to tune into people there's no empathy there's no compassion there tends to be awful social skills as a result And that's Rishi Sunak, but it's also so many other people who are in power because I think they had these either emotionally stunted and Mm. or really sheltered upbringings. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Right, we've just got a couple of clips lined up now and a little bit of evidence to show you that even when they do wrong, like clearly wrong, they just double down and they deny reality. Here's Mr Gaslighty Jeremy Hunt, our Chancellor of the Exchequer, doing just that on BBC Politics. The Prime Minister chose to deliver a political punchline about trans people in the presence of Brianna's mother. No, you are taking his comments out of context. If you had listened as I did to what he said, he could not have been clearer in the respect he has for Brianna Gray's mother in the face of an unspeakable tragedy. He was tragedy. questioning about but what is a woman and what, what isn't a The point a woman. he was making in PMQs was that we have a Labour Party that cannot make his mind up Should about he the big issues to of the day. Family? Well, he made it clear the respect he has for Brianna Gray's mother, um, but that wasn't the point he was making. The point he was making was about Labour flip-flopping on really important issues. Right. So there's evidence number one. I just want to stick in a clip here now as well. This is Naga Manchetti doing an absolutely brilliant job on BBC Breakfast, talking to Chris Philp, the gulper, who comes out to defend, and it must be embarrassing, trying to bat for Sunak. And I thought she was fab. Have a listen. The Prime Minister was making a point about Labour's very numerous flip-flops, another one of which we're seeing today, illustrating they've got no plan whatsoever. The father of Brianna Jai, Peter Spooner, has said that Rishi Sunak's remarks um, were degrading and absolutely dehumanising. He said, as the Prime Minister for our country to come out with degrading comments like he did, regardless 
of them being in relation to discussions in Parliament, they are absolutely dehumanising. He went on to say identities of people should not be used in that manner. And I personally feel shocked by his comments and feel he should apologise for his remarks. Is Peter Spooner, the father of Brianna Jai, going to get a, an apology from Rishi Sunak? Well, I was very, very sad um, to read or to hear about those comments um, from Brianna's father uh, yesterday when he made those. As I say, I think anyone who uh, is interested in this issue should actually listen to the clip, listen to the, ex the, the initial exchange. So are you saying Peter Spooner has misunderstood what Rishi Sunak has said? Look, I, I'm, I, I've got every respect for obviously the, the views and feelings of a, of a bereaved um, father. Do you obviously. think he deserves an apology? Look, I think if you just li people should listen to the clip, oh, form gosh. their own view. He I've has listened, listened to the clip. I've, I've I cannot imagine on. that the father of a child no, who was murdered a year ago this Sunday has not listened to that clip. And I, I think it's quite disingenuous for you to suggest he hasn't. Mm. Mm. So rude wow. and insulting. And they're all doing this now. They're all doubling down. Kemi Badenoch was another one who, who doubled down. And apparently she did so, by the way. Um, she didn't really have permission to. I was listening to Sam Coates from Sky, who yes. basically said that if he wanted, if Sunak actually did want to come out and apologise, she sort of boxed him in because she came out on Twitter and doubled down with her as a mother tweet, which I thought was offensive. But there were so many people who were saying, you know, I Julie Hartley Brill was one of them, and I, I engaged in a bit of a tete-a-tete, -tete, shall we say, with her. Because you say so many people playing politics, using this, it's disgraceful. Keir Starmer, Keir Starmer apparently using this to play politics. And I just thought, take Keir Starmer out of it, right? Say Keir Starmer had not even drawn attention to it. Mm. My question to Julia Hartley Brewer and to Kemi Badenoch on X was, sorry, Twitter X, whatever, was, do you honestly think that that would not have impacted mm. Brianna's mother hearing that, even mm. if Starmer said nothing? And she couldn't respond. Obviously, Kemi didn't respond. But the, the fact now, what are they suggesting? Are they suggesting that Brianna's father mm. is playing politics with this? Oh. And someone was sat next to Brianna, Brianna's mother, who I can't remember, it was a reporter who basically said she just let out a big sigh when she heard this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely gross. The Purple Pimpernel tweeted, once Sunak had made the joke, subsequent opposition MPs should have asked him to define Brianna Jay's gender for the benefit of her mother in the gallery. This rabid transphobia needs to stop and purveyors of this frothing bigotry need to be humiliated very publicly. Absolutely. And Ross Sayers made an important point when he tweeted, that is very bad luck to make a transphobic comment on the one day in recorded history the British media and political class have decided they actually don't like transphobia. Um, and then we did learn that, yeah, the, the, Brianna's dad did ask for an apology and Sunak, he, well, he was asked and he refused. Obviously, that's the, the political line now coming out at number 10. And Guardian's John Crace tweeted this. When the father of a murdered child calls on the PM to apologise, then the game is up. When Sunak isn't being utterly vile or a complete, you know, bell. Calamity, Let's say if we had a bell yet, him. a bell, a bell, a bell. No, we had several, I think. <laughs> Bollard. Um, you can find him engaging in what appears to be his very favourite pastime which is using his position in number 10 to fleece the taxpayer and get even richer. And 
Basil Fawlty star, by the way, John Cleese, looks like he'd had enough of this too. He tweeted something that sounded rather familiar. He tweeted, corruption, corruption, corruption. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote, going, gove, gone. Mm. So what was this about specifically? Because this did get away from me a bit when I was away. I saw that John Cleese had done corruption, corruption, corruption and thoroughly a- a- approved. But what was it about? So basically, um, there's a Conservative investment minister who's on the front page of the mirror. And this minister assured Rishi Sunak's wife's family firm, which, by the way, has already been awarded tens of millions of pounds in government contracts, that he would do, I quote, what he could to further help them in the UK. So bear in mind now, Infosys is vying for UK contracts worth £750 million. And there's this investment minister who's basically gone, I'll do that for you. I'll sort sort that out. And I think there's talk about another VIP lane specifically for Infosys. And I just had to point it out after I heard this, and we know this, right, but that right there, is why a man who is worth £700 million, who is married to the daughter of a billionaire, takes a job as Prime Minister that pays a relatively diddly £165,000. And if you honestly think he cares one job about this country, I mean, I don't understand the people that do. It's like that Marilyn lady that called into my LBC show and said... <laughs> He's doing it out of the kindness of his heart, apparently. Yeah. I mean, are hobby. you sure, Marilyn? You, <laughs> you watch, Marilyn. You watch how quickly he gets that one-way ticket to Santa Monica once he's booted out of number 10. Yeah, totally. And um, it, it's hard. It's hard when you, you can't really relate. Just as Sunak can't relate to any of us, I can't really relate to him. Because when you're that wealthy, ordinary people like us or decent wealthy people sort of understand that, you know, at a certain point, money isn't going to make any difference anymore. Once you've gone past a certain amount, a million, there's sort of like nothing that you can't do, right? You can make all your friends and family Mm. happy. You can have, I don't know what, you know, like at a certain point, when is enough enough, right? But the point is, and we had a good chat with this, with um, Carol Vorderman, actually, um, bit of a name drop there. Sorry, I'll just pick it up off the floor. There we go. Clang. <laughs> <laughs> Clang. But, you know, it was sort of saying it, it's, it's, it's basically uh, like something that drives them. And perhaps it's almost competition with other billionaires of who can mm. be at the top of the list, you know? It's like all awareness has gone. Someone said to me, and this is even more grim than that, that it's not even about how much they can accumulate. It's about how can they have more... Mm. while others have, have less less yeah how gross is that taking yeah. the pot taking the pot but more corruption on this pod corruption corruption because every day we learn yet more fleecing of the public person talking about borders she tweeted more tory contracts deltic energy part owned by tory michael spencer awarded north sea licenses spencer donated six million quid to the tories Okay, and then Spencer was made a lord by Johnson and he attacked the 26 billion windfall tax on energy firms and all of this while millions live in destitution. It's very stinky, Marina. Mm. Mm. Very stinky. And that stench growing around the Conservative Party, I feel like you might imagine like a green, big Mm. green cloud 
yeah. stenchy big green cloud of corruption over the Houses of Parliament, particularly over, in fact, emanating from Michael Gove. Now, we know that he was linked to the Michelle Moan contracts, but yeah. that is shrapnel in comparison to the revelation that we saw this week, which was that... so. He basically lobbied for a company called Unispace, which, by the way, had no prior experience in PPE. Mm -hmm. And they went on to win, I think it was the biggest government contract. It was £680 million. And James O'Brien tweeted, crikey, what an extraordinary coincidence. And the thing that just occurred to me now, bearing in mind they're putting in or they're trying to put in legislation to check the bank accounts of anyone that gets any sort of social security, mm. welfare, pensions, whatever. Mm. But has anyone thought to check Gove's bank account? Yeah. Get into his nationwide. <laughs> Are there any big deposits there from mm. Unispace? Or check his offshore accounts. Do that sort of forensic accounting that Dan Needle, you know, the yeah. tax lawyer has done because there's got to be a link there's no way he's not getting a little a little what's the word you know a little, a little um, backhander a there yeah yeah or or like i'd love to see has he had any really extravagant purchases i have we seen his purchase habits change yeah waitrose instead of Lidl. i'm seeing me and you <laughs> um cycling through the cayman islands to the tune of the jessica fletcher come to do a little bit of investigation <laughs> have you ever met a man called gove this is his picture hmm. yeah well, where else do we go jersey well, where else is a tax haven monaco could be quite a nice little break <laughs> <laughs> Barbados, I think Barbados is one of those. Well. Um, Cold War Steve on Twitter. So if you don't know him, Cold War Steve basically creates these compositions using photographs, and they're like they take he takes the absolute piss out of the situation. And he created one where it was like Michael Gove. I think he's like naked in pants, and Ooh. he's surrounded by stacks of PPE and money. And I think there might be some Colombian marching powder dotted around the composition as well. Gosh. It's very good, very worth a follow. Hmm. Um, but all this corruption was happening and I was putting my little one to bed and I was thinking about how, like, what would you do? Like, how would you clean up politics? It's so filth. Mm. What do you do? And mm. I had some I had some policy ideas, Gemma. Hit us with them. Hit us with them. So two things to immediately improve our politics for the better. Party donations, cap them. And putting a rule that donors are exempt from government contracts or peerages so if you donate that's it you can't have them on the other one is conflicts of interest so any sniff of a conflict of interest has to be red flagged okay yeah but i think that's bloody brilliant and it's simple right it's clear mm. and mm. then we could have so much more faith that these people weren't just fleecing us and raiding the coffers quite frankly yeah I feel like it's really simple to try and fix it, to try and like start cleaning up our politics. And something has to be done because the system is completely rigged. It's mm -hmm. so unfair. It feels like all the cogs are in position so that the mega rich just get richer by barely lifting a finger, by the way. Mm. And yet you've got people who are slogging their guts out in full-time work as, as nurses, doctors, carers, whatever, and they can't make ends meet. And they're told they shouldn't ask for pay rises because they're inflationary.
Now, this would be a good point to play you the clip of Holly Valance being an absolute belle and talking about being very, very rich and not wanting to share. But there's been so much that we're going to put that into an extra podcast, which we're going to record next week. So uh, look out for that. It's quite extraordinary. Mm. Should we go to Android Eclipse of the Week? Oh, yes, let's do it. Now this, now I must admit, I take an inordinate amount of joy and satisfaction from Tories being handed their ass. So I hope you enjoy this glorious exchange of Tory MP Bent Bob Jenrick and the RMT's Mick Lynch as much as I did. There are, there are two issues here, aren't there? One is the modernisation programme and its merits or otherwise. I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but from what I've heard, it feels like the unions are opposing a degree of that modernisation and the railways desperately need it. But you don't need know it. that, do you? You haven't, um, you haven't well, examined I do know, their position. I, well, I do know a few things. You one, one for example... I mean, the transport the, the, minister could well, discuss if, that Mick, if, if, I just, if I could just finish for a second. You've lost 20% of the passengers on the railway since COVID. I haven't lost That's not COVID the fault did. of you and but the... the rail but we need to we encourage those people... We operated the period. We need to encourage those people back. The worst way in which you can do that is by alienating your customers by going on strike and making their lives much more difficult. The worst way you could do it is insist that the fares go up by RPI, ripping off the commuters, but you won't give the, the workers RPI. The fares go up by RPI every year, the retail price index. That's the government regulations. Last year, profits were made by the train operators. £500 million out of that subsidy you gave went to those companies. First Group and Go Ahead, who we're negotiating with, are both subject to takeovers from private, private equity companies, they're going to be worth billions because they know that you're going to keep siphoning money from the public purse into private but, sector operators, well, I just think, as you're but, doing but, in but health, what's education... What's actually happened in the care. last two years is, in effect, a large swathe the rails have been nationalised. I've got to bring in... So the idea that this is siphoning profits to the private sector group made a hundred million pound of profit. Do you know what that is? That's mm. like Jacob Rees-Mogg telling a farmer that his industry is OK, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I do like a good Tory schooling. He's so good at his comms. He really is. You have to hand it to him. He could debate with anybody and uh, they never come mm. off very well. It's rather beautiful. Also, also, did you see? Sorry, I've got to say, I've got to say, mm. Bob Jenrick was wearing glasses in that interview mm. and <laughs> someone said they basically looked like um, they were like rimless, big plasticky things. And someone said something like, why is Deidre Rashid arguing with Mick Lynch? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I don't that know is... where he's got his glasses from. It's like they're not his, but he had to borrow someone, like his nans. <laughs> Trying to just really have a bit of a, a trendy hipster glow up and failing. Uh, right, mine comes in response to Johnson's Daily Mail article last week regarding conscription, which had the ridiculous headline... Would I sign up to fight for king and country? Yes, sir. Lance Corporal Johnson reporting for duty. Yes, sir. <laughs> Is it as if he'd report for duty? As if he'd be on time, as if he'd report for duty at all. Exactly. And he'd be about as much use as a flipping chocolate teapot anyway. So Russ Jones, and this is the underrated tweet of the week, who's Russ in Cheshire, he tweeted, Since he was 18, Boris Johnson could have volunteered to fight for his country in the Irish Troubles, Gulf War One, Bosnia, Iraq, Afghanistan, Kosovo, Sierra Leone, Libya, or to fight Islamic State. But he didn't. And now he's 59 and suddenly brave. He's a bell. He's just <laughs> the biggest good. bell in the world. And uh, on that same note, 
We are going to leave you with pudding in a minute. Um, if you are interested in a bit of a personal troll goss about the holiday that I've just had <laughs> and uh, our meeting with Carol Vorderman and all of that kind of thing, that's over on Patreon as Troll Goss, which is a sort of completely separate series. But this is pudding and it's perfection. It's from Munya Chihuahua and he posted it on Instagram with the caption, Britain's first lads getting called up for World War Three. If we go to war with Russia, our youth uh, may have to be conscripted. You are, you are. Linda, get these England players out my Twitter bio. Apparently they're going to call us up in two months. That's going to interrupt a peaceful march. Yeah, well, how do you like it? Oh, shut up, Linda. Ancestry.com. 0.001% Nigerian. Pack your bags, Linda, we're going to Malawi. Kilo Shelley. What was that about Shelley? No, Linda, I'm learning Yorubob, I'm Duolingo. What happened to all this I stand with Robinson business? I meant the squash, Linda. Have you tried peach and mandarin? I can't go to war. It's long hours, terrible conditions, poor pay. If I do that job, it's cultural appropriation. You didn't have a problem defending those statues. Yeah, that's because they were soulless inanimate objects that make no contribution to society. Well, how's that different from defending Rishi Sunak? Yeah, I'll see your point. Christ, they're calling me. Right, put on the Jamaican National Anthem. Hello? McKeon. He's just been rejected. You know what makes me sad, Linda? Knowing that a man and his family can't go to another country to escape a war they never asked for. It's disgusting. What? Well, 